everybody. I'm Gary Ebersol. Richard Kipling here. And I'm Randy Schultz. Welcome to Camp Codger, a podcast for people in their golden years. Join us to hear rocking chair wisdom from three old guys. The year 1968 just might be one of the most turbulent and interesting years in modern history. The Vietnam War was dividing America. Technology was marching forward. The younger generation was making itself heard and asking for change. And the news was delivered to homes everywhere in living color. On today's episode, the Camp Codger counselors will be remembering and discussing what happened in 1968. The good, the bad, and the ugly. But first, we're going to talk about someone who we think has earned the honor of Codger of the Week. Some of my favorite podcasts are produced by the folks over at Freakonomics Radio Network. Steve Levitt, co-author of the Freakonomics books, hosts one called People I Mostly Admire. In the latest episode, Levitt interviews Robert Solo, Nobel Prize-winning economist who taught at MIT for decades. Just listening to an interview with a giant in the field of economics was good enough for me, but the Camp Conjure spin is that Solo is 98 years old. Yes, 98. And he is still on his game. Solo is smart, funny, and most enduring to me, he seems to be dealing with aging with grace and humor. The folks at Freakonomics Radio graciously gave us permission to play a few short clips from this episode. A link to the full episode is in the show notes below. You're not exactly a young man. You're 98 years old. I use you as a model of how I'd like to grow old. It seems like you haven't lost a step mentally. Do you think that's just luck? That's not quite right. You don't know the reality. I'm aware of the fact that I have deteriorated physically much more than I've deteriorated mentally. But I was certainly sharper when I was younger than I am now. I am lucky in that I can still think, not as well, and God knows not as quickly. God, it takes me forever. <laughs> to get to the bottom of anything. But I can still think, whereas I can't see and I can't hear. But it's just the luck of the draw. What's it been like for you to outlive so many of the people you've known? I miss my friends. I miss the people in my department. We were good colleagues. I miss Paul Samuelson a tremendous amount. It's a lonely thing to get very old, but I'm not giving it up. <laughs> <laughs> Are you still enjoying life? On a good day, certainly, or in the good parts of every day, yes. What's your attitude towards death? Are you afraid? My attitude towards death is that an awful lot of people have managed to do it, so I guess I will too. I'm not happy at the idea. A friend of mine said, I don't mind dying. I just don't want to be there when it happens. <laughs> I'm 100% in agreement with Steve Levitt that Robert Solo is a great role model for aging. And we are delighted to recognize him as our codger of the week. Richard, any thoughts in this week's codger? Well, anybody who could do what he does at 98 deserves a big round of applause. Absolutely. Randy? You want to turn on the Wayback Machine and take us to 1968? Thanks, Gary. 
Our show today is called What Happened in 1968. Most of our Camp Codger listeners remember 1968 as an eventful and important year. For those of you who don't remember 1968, you are sure to learn something about late 20th century history by listening to this podcast. Back in 1968, the 60s were definitely in full swing. But that doesn't mean 1968 was filled with only peace, love, and unity. There was also violence and discord. And we're going to talk about all of this right now. Richard, as the journalist in our group, what do you think was the biggest story in 1968? Which month do we want to talk about? (laughs) (laughs) This was all 55 years ago, and in some ways it feels like it's from another life. But I have to vote for the announcement by then-President Lyndon Baines Johnson on March 31, after he'd barely won the New Hampshire primary and after RFK had announced he was entering the race for president. Johnson announced he would not run for re-election. He set in motion for me, and I think for many, the rest of the year. Yeah, that was a big story. I remember that. I was 13 years old at the time. Gary, what do you think the the big story was in 68? You know, there's so much happened that it's hard to believe. I share Richard's awe at what happened, but I really think it had to be the introduction of the Big Mac at 49 cents. Right? <laughs> <laughs> Come on. I did not see that one coming. <laughs> but think about it. It was McDonald's and it was the hamburger that defined the next 50 years. We still talk about Big Macs 55 years later. Right. But seriously, and it was the assassinations of Robert Kennedy and Martin Luther King coming so close together. For me, it was a loss of hope. I mean, these guys were beacons of light. Things went dark. Oh, it was a total hit to the solar plexus. No question about mm-hmm. it. It more or less ruined the rest of the year. Pretty much. Like you said, Gary, those two assassinations, either one of them could have been the biggest event of any year in the last 50 years. You know what I mean? Absolutely. And the fact that they happened within two months of each other. Martin Luther King was uh, killed April 4th in Memphis. RFK right after the California primary, June 5, almost literally two months apart. I think those are the two biggest stories of the year. The fact that we also knew about them so quickly and knew so much about the details. Martin Luther King's speech that he gave the the night before, I may not get to the mountaintop with you, but our people, we as a people, will get to the mountaintop. And then the next day he shot. That took the wind out of so many sails mm-hmm. in America. Right, right. It just devastated right. us. There were other big events on top of the three that we already mentioned. Gary, what would be another one of your you know, top events of 68? One of the things that struck me in 1968 was the chaos at the Democratic National oh Convention. No. I mean, that was amazing. It was just nothing like we'd ever seen at a convention before. It catalyzed the anti-war movement, I think. But the convention basically brought it into the open, brought it to television, and brought it basically to your TV. No question about it. And it was shocking because of the coverage of the convention, the the video coverage of the convention showed the violence uh, on the streets of Chicago. You couldn't deny it. 
Yeah, absolutely. There was a lot going on during that convention. Well, the other huge story of 1968 that runs through the entire year, the Vietnam War. A lot of what was happening in Vietnam was spilling into the streets of America. And we had all kinds of reactions to that very unpopular war. I don't think America has ever been in a war that unpopular. I think you're right. And also, it was such a galvanizer for college campuses. People who'd never been in any protest at all were suddenly out in the streets protesting the events of the war. It was so central to almost everything. It was central to the economy because all the war spending essentially drove inflation. We had almost 5% inflation in 1968, which is very high by conventional economic standards. It created family conversations that wouldn't have happened if the war weren't there. On a personal level, for many of us, the Vietnam War was really about how long can I stay in college so I don't have to get drafted. <laughs> yes. Remember Nixon's main phrase in 1968, the silent majority. The majority of people in the country aren't like these students protesting in the streets. Yeah, that was kind of a brilliant piece of marketing. It was. To encapsulate something that he was trying to sell to the American people in order to get elected. He could have been 100% right, but even if he wasn't, it was brilliant marketing. In addition to the Vietnam War, there was another military operation that was in January of 68. It was a huge story when North Korea captured the Navy intelligence vessel USS Pueblo. Pueblo. Do you guys remember that? Barely, but yes. There were 83 American crew members captured and held in uh, North Korea. Not a good situation. If it weren't for the Vietnam War, that would have been an active war. We would have probably responded differently if we weren't mired in Vietnam. Quite amazing. January, February was also the Tet Offensive by North Vietnam and the Viet Cong in South Vietnam. You know what I learned in the research for this show? I never knew what Tet meant. Do you guys know what the word Tet is and why it was called the Tet Offensive? I don't know. Tet is the North Vietnamese term for the Lunar New Year, Mm -hmm. and that's when this was launched at the end of January. Yeah. Yeah. You know, for the last (laughs) 15 minutes, we've really dumped a lot of heavy stories on people. (laughs) Is there anything good? Is there anything happy or pleasant? That happened in 1968. Yes, yes, and I'll start that. There's something much more important. It's in Wikipedia. It's in everything. And that is that Richard Kipling got his master's degree in 1968. Oh, my You read Lord. about it, right? That, that was, it was all over the news. <laughs> Richard, congratulations. And forgive me for not congratulating you sooner on that. Good for you. Well, only 50 years too late. What the hell? <laughs> <laughs> well, excuse me, guys, but we were talking about 1968 a moment ago. Really, Richard, give me a, give me a good story, a good news story. There was certainly some music I liked. I can't think of any films that really hit me in 1968. Oh, Am my I God. Wrong? Oh, this is my, this is my segue. Take it. There was a little film that came out at the very end of December 1967, probably to make it eligible for the Oscar Awards. A little film called The Graduate. Yeah. So that was December of 67, so I did all the homework. 
The Graduate was by far the biggest hit movie of 1968. As a matter of fact, it made $104 million in America. In an age where the average movie ticket costs a dollar and a quarter, <laughs> by today's standards, that would be like the biggest blockbuster ever released. Mm. The next closest grossing movie to The Graduate in 1968 was, can you guess? 2001, Space Odyssey. That's a really good guess. And you know why? Because that's the correct answer. <laughs> it made $58.5 million. Okay, so we've got The Graduate. Oh, no, I made a mistake. Stop the presses. The real top five of actual dollars in 1968 were The Graduate, Funny Girl, Barbara Streisand, 2001 A Space Odyssey, The Odd Couple, and Bullet. Yes, Steve McQueen yes. Driving that Mustang <laughs> through San Francisco. Those are those are iconic movies. That was a good wow. movie. Wow. Yeah, it really was. One of the things that The Graduate left any 20-year-old guy oh, with is this sense of, oh, my God, this older woman yeah. syndrome, right? And Bancroft. <laughs> you attracted all the older women like the 30-year-olds, you know? <laughs> you thought, oh, my God, wouldn't life be wonderful if you ran into Mrs. Robinson? Well, Gary, we don't have time to get into your psyche here. Do you remember the car Dustin Hoffman drove in that movie? Yeah, it was a Mustang. No. No. It was an Alpha. Yes. Oh, I'm sorry. I got the wrong movie. That was Bullet. That was Bullet. So, Gary, what have you got for us that we haven't talked about from 1968? I thought one of the interesting things was the music. And I know we did 1960s music many, many episodes ago. And all of the people that I found for this 68 list, we didn't talk about. Nobody mentioned Steppenwolf, right? Right. Ah, right. Yes, yes. Born to be wild. And the magic carpet ride. Oh, you're right. 68 was their breakout it year. It was their breakout year. And they year. never had a year as big as that. You know, you put Born to be Wild and Magic Carpet Ride in one year for mm. one band. Mm. That was amazing. It's still spinning through my head after listening to it this morning. <laughs> but you start looking at the other music for that era. Janis Joplin's one of my favorites, and she did Peace of My Heart. So it's not White Rabbit, but Peace of My Heart is just a real absolute winner. And associated with the movie, The Graduate, exactly. Simon Garfunkel had a hit, Mrs. Robinson. Absolutely. And the only real downer in that year was when Richard Harris sang MacArthur Park. Oh, God. Yeah. That may have been the worst song of all time. Oh, God. <laughs> you know what? I have actually seen lists where that is the worst song of all time. Someone left the cake out in the rain. I mean, that's the most absurd lyric in a song ever. Oh, my. It's oh not my. funny. It's not serious. It's stupid. Now, we are going to get all sorts of nasty feedback from MacArthur Park fans. You know, I hope we do. We deserve it. But. <laughs> I know. I think the music was actually defining it. That really was a great year for music. Hey, Jude, all along yeah. the Watchtower with Jimmy Hendrix. Oh, sitting on the dock of the bay, Otis Redding. Jumping Jack Flash from the yeah, Stones. Yeah, yeah. Great stuff. Great oh, stuff. boy. That's happy times from 1968 that's, when you think of That's music. happy times. All right. There was a big story. And it ended the year. It was the the big story in December. Let's go back in the Wayback Machine. December 24th. 
And the Apollo 8 crew yes. is the first manned space crew to orbit the moon. Oh. That was a BFD. Mm. Yes. That was a big deal. Big deal. And it made everybody in America feel good again yeah. after a, yeah. a really <laughs> tough year. Not only could we talk to them, it was mind-blowing, but they took pictures out of the little window in the space mm. capsule and the first picture of the Earth rise over the moon's surface was the result of that mission. And that's still, it's just a beautiful image. And it made us feel good again. Gave us some hope back. It did. And in a year when race relations in America got as violent as they've ever been, there was also something in 1968 that is not a major news story, at least it wasn't at the time. But when you look back on it, this, I think, was significant. On the Star Trek show, the original show, during 1968, the first interracial kiss between a, a white person and a black person mm. occurred on the Star Trek episode that aired on November 22nd. It, it was a big deal. It was a big deal. Especially given the context of what was going on in, in America at that time. A lot happened, folks, in 1968. We can't cover it all. But I got to give you guys one more shot. Is there anything that you want to mention from 1968 before we close the doors on this topic? I think 1968 opened up something that we're still seeing today. It was the beginning of our culture wars. Archie Bunker, Meathead. I was Meathead. I can tell you that... We've had people in my family who were Archie Bunker. Mm -hmm. It really brought the cultural differences to the table and allowed us to talk about them. We talked about them in television. We talked about them in the street. And I'm certain if your family was like my family, we had lots of fights over these social and economic and cultural issues. And if we think the partisanship is bad today, it was pretty bad in 1968. And I think we forget that. I think you're so right. And the name that we have not yet invoked here is George Wallace. George Wallace was alive and kicking in 68. Well, guess what? He ran for president. Exactly right. And at one point, he got 13% of the vote, but he got something like 25 or 26% of the vote in the South. And in fact, he carried five Southern states and won electoral college votes, mm. which hasn't happened since for a third-party candidate. That's how split the country was. Oh, my. We were split along a lot of different lines, old and young, black and white, rich and poor, conservative, liberal. It's like we were split in every possible way. And in some ways, I'm amazed that we survived 1968. But we did. But we did. Yep. If you look at our current situation, we understand it's not great. It could be much better, but we survived that era, and we survived the changes over the last 55 years. Every now and then I'll do my Pollyanna thing. <laughs> I think there's a little hope. We come through these things because culturally and politically and economically and technically, we have a pretty good foundation to keep going. Yeah, and my prediction is we're going to survive the dichotomies of now the beginning of the 21st century has been a little rough for the country, yeah. just like 1968 was rough for the country. But we're going to survive it, folks. Yep. 
let's remember that united we stand, divided we're all screwed up. (laughs) (laughs) All right, there's one more little thing. As a music lover, I I have to bring this up. And it kind of, for me, it epitomizes what 1968 was. The number one hit single in 1968 was Hey Jude by the Beatles. Huge hit in the late summer of 68. Back in those days, there was always a B-side on the other side of the single. The other side of Hey Jude. Hey Jude is a very easy to listen to song. It's it's about uplifting a young person who is going through a tough time. It was literally about John Lennon's son, written by Paul McCartney. On the back side, on the B side of Hey Jude was the song Revolution, written by John Lennon. That's the biggest contrast oh. that a Beatles single ever gave you and it came out in 1968 and folks if that's not what 1968 (laughs) was i don't know how else to describe it thanks so much for listening to camp codger we love doing these shows you can tell we're having fun please send us comments send us money send us whatever you want to just keep listening and know that we appreciate you We'll be back next week with another episode of Rocking Chair Wisdom, and we take another look at ChatGPT. Does the the end-of-the-world commentary on AI over the last few months reflect a bit of hair-on-fire interpretation? Are there any positive aspects of this important technology that might benefit humanity? Join us for our next conversation when we explore how ChatGPT just might deliver something good for seniors. If you enjoyed this episode, subscribe to Camp Codger in your favorite podcast app or sign up on our website. As always, we would love to hear from you. Drop us an email at campcodger at gmail.com, post a comment at www.campcodger.com, or leave a voicemail at 505-216-6171.